Good morning, Christ community. It's a joy to be with you again. Would you please bow with me for a word of prayer? God of majesty and God of mercy, Lord, we give honor and glory to your awesome and holy name. We thank you for another undeserved privilege to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray now through the preaching of your word that you would inform, inspire, impact, and improve the lives of we, your people, to the end that you and you alone would get the glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to be with you again, to share with you in worship and word, and especially to have this privilege to share in this Advent series. Our text today comes from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. And I'm grateful for the presence of my beautiful wife. I see she snuck in. I was waiting for her to come in. I didn't see her. Amen. Now, we come from different church traditions, you and I, and I know it's not your tradition, but I'm worshiping with you, and I I wonder if you wouldn't mind mixing the traditions with me today. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Jeremiah 33 Verses 14 through 16. Brothers and sisters, before I begin reading, I want to remind you that this is the word of God. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. may be seated in the presence of our God. Once again, verse 14 says, Behold, the days are coming. And then verse 15, in those days. And then verse 16, in those days. As we consider this first week of Advent, the coming kingdom that brings security, I want to share a message today entitled, Better Days Are Coming. Better Days Are Coming. William Carey said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. This suggests something that we must remember when we rehearse God's promises. It is always the darkness of our present situation that makes us long for the brightness of our future destination. We face our bad days by focusing on the better days God has promised. 
This is the powerful message of this prophetic passage before us today. These words were written by Jeremiah, spoken to him by God, at a time when his people were facing some indescribably bad days. God's people were divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. At the time of the text, Israel has already been defeated and taken captive by the Assyrians. Judah remains, but not for long. The Babylonians are already there and in the process of a hostile takeover. They have come to carry out God's judgment on Judah because of the people's continued idolatry and injustice. God had repeatedly warned them through the prophets that their rejection would have consequences. And soon, the walls of Jerusalem would be destroyed. The temple would be desecrated, and the people would be deported. Violence, terror, and death will sweep through the city like a flood. And in the midst of these dark days, God gives Jeremiah a promise to share with the people of the better days ahead. In the context of this chapter, Jeremiah 33, in verses 1 through 13, God promises to restore his people to their land in the near future after 70 years of exile. But in our text, Jeremiah begins a section in which God makes more specific promises about the distant future coming kingdom that is founded upon his unbreakable promises. God offers hope to his rebellious people by reminding them that even though they are facing judgment, he will restore them and keep all of his promises to them. God's people face the horrors of today with hope for tomorrow by trusting that he will perform what he has promised. That's really my sermon in a sentence today. That's the text message. If you don't hear anything else I say, please take that home with you. God's people face the horrors of today with hope for tomorrow by trusting that he will perform everything he has promised. The question is, why can we be certain that better days are coming. Better days are coming, first of all, because God will keep his word to his people. Judah could hope for better days in the midst of their bad days because God was going to fulfill his promise. Fulfill here translates a word that literally means to perform. And promise is better rendered good word. So through the prophet, God says, even in the midst of these bad days, there are better days ahead because I will perform the good word I have spoken. I will do what I said I would do. Even though I am allowing you to be judged in these days, I will show mercy in those days. 
Mercy will be evidenced by my performance of what I promised. I'm not going to allow your sinfulness to compromise my faithfulness. God says, I won't allow your actions toward me to stop me from keeping my promises to you. During World War I, C.S. Lewis made a covenant with his friend that if one of them died in the war, they would take care of the other's family. After the war dragged on, his friend eventually died. When C.S. Lewis returned home, spent the rest of his days caring for his friend's family and widow. Yet, no matter how helpful he tried to be, his friend's widow was always ungrateful, rude, arrogant, and domineering. Through it all, C.S. Lewis kept forgiving her and providing for her because he refused to allow her actions to become an excuse to renege on his promise. Brothers and sisters, that's the only reason we're still here today. God keeps forgiving and providing for us because in his mercy and grace, he refuses to let our sinful actions against him stop him from keeping his promises to us. We can rejoice during this Advent season because God doesn't make empty promises. Even though his people fail, his promises don't. In the midst of these dark days, we are living through a global pandemic, facing constant political, racial, and social tension, enduring the untimely deaths of relatives and friends. And even during this holiday season, that may bring more grief than it does excitement. We can still hope in the promises of God. Better days are coming because God will keep his word. But secondly, better days are coming because God's king will govern his people. 2 Samuel 7 records the Davidic covenant. The general aspect of God's promise to David was that he will always have a descendant who sits on the throne to rule over God's people. The specific aspect is that one day there would be a special descendant who wouldn't just be David's son, he would also be God's son. And through him, God would establish an everlasting kingdom that would have no end. In the midst of judgment and immediate exile, the people will be taken from their land and they will be governed by a foreign king. The people of Jerusalem and Judah will no doubt be wondering, what about the promises of God? God gives this word of hope to answer the people's questions before they ask them. God says, even though I am sending judgment and exile, my promise to my servant David will not fail. Verse 15, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, 
And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. The promise of the righteous branch was filled with profound hope, anticipating a time when an anointed king, a Messiah, a descendant of David, would come to bring righteousness and justice to the nation. The people desperately needed a king who practices justice and righteousness because injustice and unrighteousness are why they were being judged in the first place. These are the two general charges that God has against his people. They have led to all the other sins in the land. In unrighteousness, they have served idols and forgotten God. In injustice, they have mistreated their neighbors. And one of the reasons the people sin has been so great is because of a succession of bad kings and fallen leaders. It's in Jeremiah 23, verse 3, that God speaks to the king and says, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. The kings in Jeremiah's day practiced injustice and unrighteousness, but God promises the coming king will execute justice and righteousness. Everything that was wrong, God's coming king will make right. He will replace injustice with justice and unrighteousness with righteousness. Brothers and sisters, in this promise of a righteous branch from the line of David, the New Testament declares this promise to be fulfilled in Christ. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Concerning Christ's birth, the angel Gabriel tells Mary in Luke chapter 1, 31 through 33, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The Apostle Paul joins in and declares Jesus to be the righteous branch from the line of David in Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. And he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. This one is Jesus Christ our Lord. The New Testament reveals that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this promise. At Advent, we celebrate his arrival that initiated and inaugurated the kingdom of God. Christmas is a reminder 
that we can trust God to keep his promises in the future because of the ones he's already kept in the past. Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of God has already come. He has already brought the kingdom. He has already shown us what justice and righteousness look like. He has already died on the cross for our sins. He has already risen from the dead in glory. He has already given us his spirit who ministers peace, joy, love, and hope to our hearts. Since he's already done all of that, I want to encourage you, don't allow your bad days to deceive you into thinking that God can't be trusted. Our difficulty always tempts us to live in despair, but God's promises inspire us to live in hope. Someone has suggested that you can't break the promises of God by leaning on them. In other words, God's promises are so sturdy, sure, and strong that they can handle the full measure and weight of our faith. During these dark days, and even what may be a difficult holiday season, don't be discouraged. Lean into and lean on the promises of God because Jesus has already come the first time, giving us proof that God always keeps his promises. In King Jesus, better days have arrived, but the best is yet to come. Better days are coming because God will keep his word. Better days are coming because God's king will rule. Lastly, better days are coming because God will totally deliver his people. Verse 16 says, In those days Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Salvation and security are in store for Judah and Jerusalem because the presence of justice and righteousness personified will be there in Christ. By him, Judah will be saved from wrath and the curse. And being so saved, Jerusalem will dwell securely and safely, quiet from the fear of evil and enjoying a holy serenity. At the time of Jeremiah's writing, Judah is not being saved, she's being judged. And Jerusalem is not safe, it's dangerous. But God promises a time in the future when the people will be saved from judgment and the place will be free from danger. Back in chapter 25, verses 5 and 6, God actually made this specific promise before and he repeats it here. The passages are almost identical. In chapter 25, the coming king name will be the Lord is our righteousness. But here in chapter 33, 
God tells Jeremiah that the city of Jerusalem will also be called the Lord is our righteousness. God promises a time when the place and the people will bear the very name that he has already given to his king. Here's the problem with the text. Yes, Jesus has already come. But even though he has shown himself to be justice and righteousness personified, he has never saved or, or secured Jerusalem. At least not yet. This latter part of the text contains a promise of full deliverance, salvation, and security that has not yet been fulfilled. Dr. George Sweeting once estimated that for every prophecy of the first coming of Christ, there are eight prophecies of the second coming of Christ. What we have in Jeremiah 33 is both the prophecy of Christ's first coming and of his second coming. His first coming was to inaugurate the kingdom of God, pictured in verse 15. And then his second coming will be to consummate the kingdom of God, pictured in verse 16. The book of Revelation tells us that once Christ comes again and all the end time events have been completed, all of God's people will fully and finally be delivered from this broken world and brought into a new heaven and a new earth. Jeremiah describes the heavenly new Jerusalem the same way John does in Revelation 21, verse 2. John says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. John goes on in Revelation 21 to describe the New Jerusalem with vivid detail. He describes its light, its walls, its gates, its temple, as the Lord God and Christ the Lamb, its dimensions, its people, and its king. He ends the chapter declaring its safety and security that's promised here in Jeremiah. Revelation 21, 27, But nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In Christ's first coming, better days began. But Christ's second coming will bring better days forever. In his first coming, he inaugurated the kingdom, but we await his second coming to consummate the kingdom. Only in the new Jerusalem Will we, God's people, be fully saved from judgment and fully safe from danger? God has made these precious and powerful promises because he doesn't want us to live in despair, but to wait in hope. I know it's dark. I know that when we look at the world around us and even all of the issues we are facing personally, personally, 
that it can be difficult right now. But according to God's word, we've got to hold on to our faith. This is not as good as it gets. The best is yet to come. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. Better days are coming because God will deliver us from this world. God's people face the horrors of today with hope for tomorrow by trusting that he will perform what he has promised. Today we have hope in the midst of all our bad days that better days are coming. Days of salvation, days of peace, days of glory, days of security. May we be reminded this Advent season that King Jesus has already come and he will come again. All our hope is in the promises of God. All our hope is in Jesus Christ.